Phoenix Tales is a community celebrating everyday women overcoming extraordinary challenges in their lives, discovering the fire within, and like the phoenix, enduring the ashes to rise again. Each of you has a phoenix tale or a phoenix moment. As we create this community of women with grace and grit, share your own phoenix tale or your own phoenix moment on our website. We're honored to hear another story to welcome another phoenix. Today's guest is Kelly Fife, a psychologist working in the public school system, serving children and families. With wisdom that far belies her age, Kelly describes her own process of healing the deep childhood wounds as a result of her parents' alcoholism. Please welcome Kelly Fife. Welcome, Kelly, to Phoenix Tales. I always start the conversation off by asking one question, and that question is, Has there been an event in your life, personal or professional, that was challenging that might have redirected the course of your life? Yeah. In 2012, I was going to a commuter school, so I wasn't really making a lot of friends. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to do well in school. And I I remember having this pivotal conversation with my mom and dad in their kitchen Uh, This was about November 2012, and I don't remember necessarily the content of what we talked about, but I remember feeling so lost and miserable, and I couldn't understand why I felt the way that I felt. I didn't have the language at the time, but it was definitely a lifetime of living with anxiety perfectionism. I struggled heavily with obsessive thinking and intrusive thoughts, and it got to a point where it was so unbearable. And so my dad, he suggested that I go to Al-Anon, which is a 12-step group for families and friends who have been affected by someone else's drinking. And at the time, I couldn't understand why he suggested I go to Al-Anon. All I knew was that he had been sober for about seven or eight years at that point. And he didn't really explain, you know, why Al-Anon may help me other than, you know, maybe his drinking could have like affected me in some way and that maybe I'd find some answers. So I hesitated But I decided in January, it was January 2nd of 2013, that I was willing to try anything to feel some sort of relief. So I walked through the doors of my first Al-Anon meeting. As somebody who kind of falls into the same trap of being a perfectionist and driven and hard on oneself. Yes. And I am am decades older than you as I say (laughs) this. Can you recall when it started or when it started to take over? Yes. Um, I've done a lot of inner child work over the last year, and I've discovered a lot of things. The effect really took hold when I was about five years old. That's, that's probably my youngest recollection. And growing up in a home where both of my parents struggled with alcohol and drugs, so I was the oldest out of the two of us. 
And I very much took on the hero role in the family. I wanted desperately to protect my sister from what was happening, as well as keep the peace in the home, stop the fighting. You know, I I did what I could to be even that listening ear to my parents at a very young age. So I would say what what started first was this need to control my environment and surroundings in order for me to feel safe. And as a result, when that didn't work, when the fighting didn't stop, when, you know, the the house was chaotic, I think I turned to that perfectionism in my head as a coping mechanism. And, you know, it probably wasn't this articulate for a five-year-old, but it, <laughs> it, it's something like, okay, if I can't control what's going on in my environment, then if, maybe if I'm perfect, maybe if I don't rock the boat, then things will be okay. And I think it just spiraled from there. So I'm going to ask a question, and you don't have to reveal much, but when you talk about both parents having um, substance abuse issues, was it a situation in which you were parenting yourself and obviously protecting your sister? And how long was that period? Because you said your father had been sober for seven years when he suggested that you go to Al-Anon. Yeah, my dad got sober in October of 2006. And even from then, and I, I think he would be the first to admit it took him still a little while to grow up. <laughs> as long as I can remember, my parents always drank, but nobody talked about it. It was this big secret. I have a, an interesting situation where I was loved. I was physically taken care of. My physical needs were met. But my parents and their emotional, their emotional capability to really attune to my needs was very lacking. And I realized through Al-Anon and just as I've gotten older that my parents did the best they could with what they had at the time. But I was parentified. I took responsibility for their emotional well-being. So I knew a lot about my parents' relationship. I knew a lot about their struggles very early on. And, you know, I had to carry that with me for a really long time. So can you go back and describe that first Al-Anon meeting when you walked in, just knowing that you were miserable, you couldn't see sort of your way through the forest and you go to this meeting at the suggestion of your father. So can you tell us what that meeting was like? And was it a moment where you sat and had like the light bulb go on or was it just being there and somehow intuitively knowing you should be there, but not fully processing what Al-Anon is capable of doing or why it was created? Juliana, you really summed it up beautifully. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember my first meeting very vividly. I actually went with my dad's really good friend in the program, his wife, and his wife is decades older than me. Um, and most of be careful, she's probably my. Oh age. no, this woman <laughs> has changed my life. She later became my sponsor and. I, I only bring that up because I, I happened to be the youngest in the room. And for years, I was the youngest in the room. And I learned so much from being around such 
amazing, wise women who came before me in the program. Can you tell us how old you were when you went for the first time? Yeah, I was 20. Oh, wow. The topic of the meeting was about trust. And the woman who was speaking about trust, I don't remember what she said. However, I remember that I was fighting back tears the entire time she was talking because I realized I did not trust anyone, but the I, I realized even more that I didn't trust myself. I didn't even know who I was to be able to to trust myself because I had felt so lost. And since that day, I never looked back. I fully dove into the program into working with my sponsor into the 12 steps and learning about how alcoholism is a family disease and how it affected my life. I think a lot of people are well aware of AA, but maybe not as many of us are quite aware of Al-Anon. So it's interesting. So can you explain to us why you would have a sponsor since you're not the one who suffers from the addiction? Yeah, that's a great question. Al-Anon uses the same 12 steps and 12 traditions as Alcoholics Anonymous. There's actually one word in the steps, and I'm pulling out my book now, but one says about the alcoholic and we just replace it with, you know, someone who's been affected by alcoholism. Other than that, the steps are the same. And the purpose of the sponsor is to help work through the 12 steps through the lens of Al-Anon. And so it helps with accountability. It helps with co-regulation. It's really scary to look at yourself for the first time. And even though I grew up in this environment, when I became an adult, I had to take responsibility for the damage done in my childhood if I wanted to live a fulfilling, full, free life. And I think a lot of people are going to have um, some issues with that, right? Because you're a survivor. I hate to use the word victim, right? You're a survivor of a family disease, which unfortunately was addiction. And being so young and growing up in that environment I'm having a hard time understanding how you need to take responsibility because so much of what you experienced was beyond your control. Yeah, and this is a concept that I learned in Al-Anon because regardless of what happened to me and how I grew up in my childhood, no one was going to come and save me. My parents No matter how many times we had conversations about ways that they could have done better or, you know, things that they would have done differently, it's up to me to take those steps to heal. So maybe responsibility is a strong word, but I couldn't wait around for for anyone to to make it better. I had to dig within myself and do the work to release that anxiety, to release that perfectionism, to release that control. And Elanon empowered me to take an honest look in the mirror and realize that, yes, although these things were out of my control, I can take control back over my life 
by healing these these things that were learned in in childhood. I had to do a lot of unlearning. And that's what Al-Anon really helped me with. And I'm going to ask a question that may seem loaded and and maybe you've given it some thought or maybe not. Do you think that this is also part of your DNA and personality, which just got heightened and kind of took over given the circumstances in which you lived? I haven't given that much thought. I believe in my heart, my true nature is a caregiver. And I know that word can be a little controversial depending on, you know, what you're talking about, but I'm a nurturer. I think if my needs were attuned to, and if I didn't have to feel that I had to take so much responsibility, I think I would have been a little more easygoing, a little more free instead of feeling like I need to constantly be in control of my environment. And it's interesting that that didn't become self-destructive other than the anxiety. So I know sometimes people can end up with all kinds of eating disorder or they themselves become, you know, addicted to different things, whether it's exercise or, you know, so it's interesting that you didn't have the self-destructive mechanism kind of triggered other than the anxiety. So is that correct? Yes. As I look back, I intuitively always knew something wasn't quite right. I never knew what it was, you know, until I got into Al-Anon, but I just always knew something wasn't quite right and that life didn't always have to be this way. And also, with my dad getting sober, even though I didn't necessarily know at the time that his drinking and, and my mom's drinking was a big part of the problem, he slowly started to change and he slowly started to step even more so into a parenting role. And his values and what he wanted to teach us started to shift. And so I do owe a lot of that to my dad getting sober. I think I was 13 or 14 when he got sober. So things in the house slowly started to shift after that. Yeah, that's a pivotal age. And can I ask, is your mother sober currently? She is not. Oh, wow. Are they still married? Yes, they are. So how do you navigate that? That has been a challenge throughout the years. Early on in my healing journey, I had a really long time of feeling angry. Oh, great. I was just going to ask. I was going to ask about sort of the emotional vicissitudes of you going through the program. And I would imagine anger and rage would be a very natural emotion to have experienced. So can you tell us kind of like the full scope of the things that you felt and experienced as you were going through the program? Yeah, anger was a big one. And it was a big one for a while. And because it it was like the veil was lifted, I finally understood all of like the, the skeletons in the closet and, you know, what I was feeling prior to to the program really started to make sense. And so I was angry. I was angry that I felt at the time, you know, my parents really let me down. And um, I felt like I was robbed 
in some ways at some times. I, d- I don't feel that way now, but I think that's part of the grieving process. It, it was, I was grieving my childhood and I guess even some ideas of how it could have been or how I wanted it to be or, you know, I, it was just a whole sort of, I had to go through that. And then there were periods of time I would be okay and I'd be hopeful and I'd, you know, want to, to move forward with my mom and dad. And then I'd go through another period of anger and I learned a lot of boundary setting and I learned a lot of how to speak to my parents in a different, in a more adult way. And I learned how to take care of myself and how to start to finally even let go and forgive. So it was a lot, it was a pretty big emotional roller coaster there for a while. And it really ebbed and flowed between anger, then some understanding and forgiveness, then some anger, then some understanding and forgiveness. And you sprinkle in learning how to set boundaries. And, you know, things just started to take off from there. My life slowly started to shift. And my relationship with my mom and dad, I'm very fortunate in that they started to shift in positive directions with me. So where are you in the process now as far as, I mean, you you sound as though you've come to some understanding and acceptance of the fact that you were robbed of a childhood and you did a lot of self-parenting. And there are many, many, as somebody who's been in therapy for a very long time of her life, there are many emotional ramifications of one who raised themselves or however you want to describe it. So where are you today with all of that? I'm in a wonderful place. Again, I'm very fortunate in that I did grow up in a loving home. I grew up in a challenging and chaotic home as well. For my story, both are true. I chose to take a journey of of healing that instead of continuing to sweep it under the rug and continuing on a lot of what seems to be generational patterns. And so, you know, later on in my Al-Anon journey, I think it's been nine yeah, nine, over nine years now. That's when I started to get more into spirituality. And in the last year, I've done a lot of central nervous system healing work. And the more that I have healed myself, and the more that I am letting go of those behaviors, the more I know how to care for myself, the more I'm able to have a really beautiful relationship with my mom and dad. I have 100% forgiveness. I want them in my life. You know, we've we've had our ups and downs, but through all of this, through this journey, you know, we our relationship has always been intact and the rough patches were really beautiful learning opportunities for for all of us. A lot of healing has been done throughout the years, even amidst the anger. Even with your mom continuing to drink? Well, that's a little complicated. That has definitely (laughs) ebbed and flowed as well. But a big part of what I've learned on my journey and a big part of what Al-Anon has taught me is that people are going to do what they want to do. 
No matter what I say, no matter what I do, no matter how much my mom loves me, when I know that she loves me deeply, it is her journey to walk. And I have learned to lovingly detach from her choice to continue to drink. And if that is what she wants to do, then that is her choice. I don't live with my parents anymore. So being able to to come to that level of acceptance has really helped, <laughs> um, especially, you know, with not living with one another. But I, all I want for my mom is to find peace, to find joy, and to be happy. And her choices at the end of the day are her choices, and I love her anyways. And during your dad's sobriety and working his steps, did he ever come and apologize to you? Yeah. I, I would imagine that was very healing. Yes, yes. We've had a few conversations, uh, actually on multiple occasions throughout the years. Um, one of my favorite things to do is to to engage in deep conversations with my dad. And, and they do oftentimes tend to revolve around where we were and where we are now and how we've gotten there. And we have had a lot of conversations about about my childhood and you know, especially in more recent years, they're very healing and they're very honest and they're very real. And we're both able to to just speak openly about it with so much love. So it really is beautiful when we can when we can talk about those things. And is there a part of you that's longing for that moment with your own mom? Yes. And I think that's a natural response, but I was wondering like if you still hold on to that, right? That one day she herself will get it and she will be able to come to you and apologize. You know, my mom and I we've had some conversations about about my childhood and I know that she has I don't want to speak for her, of course. This is my interpretation of our conversations. And I think she has, she wishes that she could do, have have done things differently. And I know that her intention was never to cause true harm or hurt. And so I just know that she wishes that she could do things differently in my childhood. And at this point, especially where I am in my in my own healing, that's enough for me. Can you tell the audience what you do professionally? I'm just so curious because, A, first of all, you are the most articulate, thoughtful 29-year-old I've met oh, ever. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I'm very curious to see how this journey has led you to whatever life's work it is that you do. Yeah. So. I am a licensed school psychologist, so I work in the public school system, and I have worked with children and families in different capacities over the last 11 years now. I've worked with children and their families doing behavioral therapy. I've worked with autistic children in private clinic settings. I'm currently in a public school system now where I work in an elementary school in a lower income. All I wanted to do was help people and make people feel good and make people feel better. And so I pursued working with kids and, and their families. 
And as I've dove more into my spiritual journey and my healing journey, I've wanted to pivot more into like that emotional, spiritual, body, mind, healing, working with other women who grew up in a home like me. In your work, do you find that helping a child is also very healing in some way? Absolutely. I love being that space holder for children too. And because we, as children, you don't know until you're taught and and you don't know how to hold your own feelings. And I very much know what that is like. And so being able to hold space for a child and to validate their feelings, to to help them feel that they are enough to accept their feelings and accept who they are just as they are. It has been wonderful to be that person. And I wish that for every child, that every child has one person in their life where they can hold their true feelings and accept them for exactly who they are. And when you're doing this work, do you think back and wish that you had had that person in your life as well? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I work to be even for my myself now. And, and I, I do a lot of inner child healing work. And I, I want to be that person, you know, my little Kelly needed when I was younger. And I, I do my best to be that person for the children that I work with. And when I do get to work with the parents of those children, to model for them and to give them as much of my knowledge, um, both professionally and even from personal experience, to give them the tools as well. I think a lot, a lot of parents just don't naturally have that ability because they more than likely didn't have that as a child growing up. And where are you in the Al-Anon journey at this point? Is it still very much the foundation of this work that you're doing to heal yourself? COVID changed a little bit of that. You know, in-person meetings didn't happen for quite a while where I lived, and meeting times have changed. So in terms of actively going to meetings right now, not as much as I did or would like to, but I am still in touch with my sponsor and a couple of other women that I grew close with in the program. And I use my my foundation and my tools that I learned in Al-Anon, you know, in my daily healing. So actively going to meetings, those are the biggest things that help me right now. And which all sound incredible and wonderful. And do you ever think it's possible sometime in the future that you can just live without having to be so self-aware? And having to be consciously on this journey, you know, just like, okay, I think I'm healed and I'm going to live my life now. I think there will come a time where I may not have to be so actively in my healing. I am in a really good place. I enjoy my healing. It's not something that you know, in some ways, looking at myself used to feel scary. It used to feel really daunting. 
But again, I just knew that in order for me to to feel some sort of peace in my life, that that's what I felt I needed to do. And I have a lot of peace in my life. And I am very content in these things that I do. It brings me so much joy. That's a great place to end. So we're going to get to the last question. So if you could find a song or pick a song that either resonates with you or somehow speaks to you or thinks or maybe it feels as though someone had written it about you and your life, what is the name of the song and why? So the song that came to my mind, it's called Blue Bird and it's by Miranda Lambert. And it's basically talks about taking the pain of life and what comes to you and turning it into a learning and, you know, even growth opportunity or just looking at the silver lining of what could be challenging. And that's how I I work to live my life. I love to, to continue to learn and be open to growth. And that's basically uh, how I live my life today. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Kelly. I'm going to ask if you would be open to people reaching out to you and how could they find you? Yes, I'm very open to that. I am on Instagram and my page is innerlotus underscore rising. That'll be in the show notes so people can uh, have it sort of written out for them. Thank you so much for doing this. As somebody who is decades older than you, I am actually kind of in awe of your wisdom, your grace. The expansiveness of your own heart is amazing. And I hope that we can check in with one another perhaps five years from now to see where you are, because I would be very curious because I think your life is going to be very full and full of the things that you felt you didn't have as a child. Thank you, Yuliana. I really appreciate that. And I've loved this conversation. And thank you for asking such poignant questions. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode of Phoenix Tales, a show about women overcoming challenges and like the Phoenix to be reborn, their lives reimagined. Make sure to tune in to our next episode to hear another inspired story. I am Yuliana Kim Grant. The show is edited by Podigy. Music is by Ryan Pruitt. The first Phoenix Tales live event to celebrate the Phoenix Tales community was held with great success March 1st in New York City. We would like to thank the following sponsors for their support of the event and the Phoenix Tales community. Dania Duke at Hilton San Diego Gas Lamp Quarters. Nancy Donahue of Keller Williams, New York. Melissa Ortiz of Prime Guide Partners. Studio 1040. Ellen Greenberg of Quick Culture. Patricia Ruiz of Moving Strength, Barrett Kirkaby of Body Mechanics, Yanti Amos, Lululemon Ambassador, and the Lululemon on East 61st Street in New York City. Thank you again for all your support. Please be on the lookout for next year's event, which will be held again in New York City. It's like a dream, so let me never wake up. I was so hung up on myself, just like a stick in the mud. A little time, a little patience when I got tired of waiting. Then I found that gem within me sticking out of the mud. And they gon' ask me why I do it, I'ma say this because. We gon' be the best on earth, just like we be out in rust. Pass behind me like a book bag, hanging down a coat rack. Focused on the future, not that coulda, shoulda, would have. Feeling like I should, I'm on the
If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave your comments on the platform where you get your podcasts. If you think you have a Phoenix tale, please send us a note on our Instagram and Facebook pages. If you just want to stay connected to Phoenix Tales, once again, you can go on to our Instagram and Facebook pages to get all the latest updates.